Welcome to Razor Branding Podcast with Jackie Russo. To learn more about how to improve your brand, visit brandrusso.com. Hi, welcome to Raise Your Branding Podcast. Today, I am honored to have Ashley Mudd with me, and she's going to talk to us about Leadership Institute of Acadiana, which is the Leadership Lafayette program and Intro to Lafayette. It's something I went through, a lot of you have gone through, and I know how much it's meant to our lives. And I can't even imagine trying to segue or pandemic pivot mid-year for these classes. So, Ashley, welcome to the show. I'm in me. I'm really excited to hang out with you today. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Um, so first things first, you, uh, you're running Leadership Institute. You've got uh, the Leadership Lafayette class. What are y'all this year? 34, 35? 33. 33. 33. Okay, class 33. Um, you're getting into your groove. Everybody's chugging along. It's awesome. And all of a sudden, shut down. What does that look like? Um, it's pretty scary. Um, you know, we normally start in the middle of the month. And for some reason this year, we moved the March class up a week. I can't even remember why we made that decision a year ago. Um, but current Ashley is really grateful for past Ashley for doing that. We were at least able to get through one class day, um, which was awesome. And I have to say, I can't imagine it happening to a different cohort. Mm -hmm. Um, so this is our largest class ever. There's 36 in class 33. Um, and they are truly just, I think, the perfect group of people um, to be sort of our pandemic cohort. Um, they have all been troopers. Uh, the relationships they've built with each other to provide support to each other and also to provide support to me. Um, there are class members who will text me, Facebook message me, send me emails. Um, I feel like we are all going to be much closer to each other than uh, probably any of the other cohorts. Right. Oh, Anita's watching. Hey, Anita. Now, what class so was Anita she in? 29 with me. Oh. And so Anita and I went through Leadership Lafayette together. And honestly, I think that that was such a really good pivot professionally for me to go through the program with her and then sort of start this career alongside her right after. That is awesome. So I was class 22. 22. Okay. 22. So a few years ago, a few years before y'all in 33. Um, so for people who don't know, and I'm sure there's like three or four who've never heard of the program before, walk us through Leadership Lafayette, what that is. Yeah. So it's uh, the first program that LIA launched um, back in 87. Um, it's a civic leadership incubator. Uh, and I'm stealing the word incubator from Ryan. That's what he called it. And I was like, I'm stealing that. I love it. Scott um, I care Ryan. Yes. Scott awesome. I care Ryan. Um, Dr. C. So uh, we take people in the um, community uh, merging our established leaders. Um, we've had people as young as 23 uh, up to 65 come through the program. So various stages of life. Um, what is the common thread amongst all of them is that they want to put their energy into making Lafayette and Acadiana the best place that it can be. Uh, and so we start the program in January. We run through November. We take a deep dive into different topics in the community, understand um, what are our bright shining pieces, and then what are the things that our community is really challenging at? And how is it that you as a leader can sort of start chipping away at some of those uh, community issues? The thing that I loved about my experience, and I hear this repeated over and over again, is we learn so much more about our community. Because, and, and you talked about it just then, the, the deep dive that you take every month is kind of a different topic, right? Mm -hmm. So talk to us about the different topics and how you have different people who come in and provide knowledge that we would not get just as regular, ordinary citizens. 
Yeah. So what's great about it is there's people who've lived here in their entire life, done their entire professional career here, and they'll go through the program and get really surprised by what they learn. Um, one of my favorite topic days is state government. Um, we really spend time um, with experts. We bring in lobbyists, elected state officials, um, people who are running statewide departments to explain how is it that that system works. Um, it's interesting. Um, if you are a politics nerd like me, you understand that things are a bit different in Louisiana than than other states. And so it's always a really um, exciting day to understand how those systems work, but also understand how you can engage in them. I think that sometimes um, people are turned off by our system and they feel like the system's not for them and they don't know how to engage. And really the goal of each of those days is to show how accessible they can be and that you can make a difference in it. And so um, the reason why I love that day is, is usually someone finds out about a topic um, that they want to weigh in on and they'll go lobby after. Um, one year we had someone grew up um, his entire life in the state, had only ever been to the Capitol, you know, your second, third grade field trip. Um, has been countless times since then and several times to testify for or against bills. And so it shows you that the system really is accessible. I think that my favorite part about each of the days is that we sort of, um, we pull back the curtain um, and it's not a temporary pulling back. It's sort of like we've pulled it back. Now you see how our education system works and you meet our school board. You see um, how LCG works and you meet um, our mayor president and the councils. You see all these systems and then now you feel comfortable enough to sort of keep staying engaged with them to sort of leave your mark uh, and make a difference. And I think you did a great job of summing it up. I have to tell everybody who's watching who maybe hasn't had the opportunity to go through the class yet. The link is in the comments. Go and check it out. Fill out an application. Start the process. I had to apply three times before I get in because they're very selective. Um, but it is so worth it because the things that you will learn about our town, our state, our community. So I think to the one on school board. And so we were at the South Regional Library for that session. And school board members came in and they mapped out the entire school board budget and how we're able to afford to do some things and how we're not able to afford to do other things. And it was the first time I ever saw our LPSS budget broken down on a per student basis, which at the time was $11,875 per student. Now I think it's about 12,250. And I thought that's, a, that's more money than people pay for private school. Why? So then we got into a whole conversation about busing and schools of choice and all those programs. It was fascinating. It is. I, I love that you use that example. So this is um, my fifth time going through the leadership program. Um, I did it in, in um, 16 and then started this job short after. And so some of the speakers, you know, you hear year to year, but my favorite speaker by far is school board member Justin Centani, because he does such a good job diving into the budget, breaking it down. Um, the I forget the name of the website, but I know there's a website now where you can sort of go and, and, and see transparently all that the, the system is doing. And <clears throat> you know this, and I imagine everyone listening, this is not a surprise to, to them, that there's a lot of um, distrust of institutions and systems in our community right now. And, and people come in armed and loaded, ready with questions. And Justin just goes through these charts beautifully and explaining like, here it, it is for you to digest, for you to look and for you to understand how much does it cost to run a retirement system for teachers who are in the system and who've been retired for decades out of the system? How much does it cost to maintain facilities and buildings? And if you have this, this set budget, you have to prioritize and there's no way that you can fund everything. And he just does 
such a good job, I think, connecting with the class and is so available, you know, doing one-on-ones after and just wanting people to understand that you live here and you can have a say in how it goes. But before you have that opinion, it's really important that you take the time to understand what's going into this. Right. Um, And I say this in in the true sense of the compliment that it is, he's the best nerd I know. (laughs) For sure. There you go. And he way outkicked his coverage from nerd to hot wife. I mean, they are a pair, he and Marie. Um, And you know, that's true too. Um, So the other session that I think is always fascinating to me is Len Gidry. Is he still doing his part? Yeah, so we um, it's been a couple of years since we've we've pulled Lynn in and we've brought him in in other ways. Actually, um, this makes it be the conversation you, Michael, and I were having before coming in. I just got off of a phone call with Ann Falgu, a graduate of our program, and she used to run it. And we had a long conversation about, and I haven't even said this to Lynn yet, so sorry if I'm saying this to the public before calling you, what would it be like to curate that presentation? And that, like, it's been so powerful, you know, several years of 705 has done his presentation Um, But we have not done a good job curating a lot of our content. And honestly, I never thought of that until we were hit with this pandemic and we had to move virtual. But, you know, what would it look like if we started curating some of that that content and being able to have larger community discussions about it? And and sort of um, we don't sometimes do that best job curating Lafayette's history and then going back to talk about it. Right. And for anybody who's never seen Lynn Gendry's presentation, um, Ann and I were in class 22 together, by the way, Ann Falgu. Yeah, I didn't know that. A little bit of history there. Um, But so Lynn talks about the history of Lafayette and how Lafayette became the hub city. And really, it goes back to the invention of electricity uh, and how all of that feeds into the systems and and places we have now and why Lafayette holds the seat of power in the parish and in the boot, um, as it were, as it does. And it's fascinating. It made me so proud to be from here. It also, what I loved about the presentation was learning about other cities in Acadiana. And I think that we, um, sometimes we can get a bit parochial about where we're from, but the reality is um, our region only succeeds as a whole. Sort of, we have a very much symbiotic relationship to each other. And I loved learning that Lafayette was not the oldest city um, in the region. And it turned me on to researching St. Martinville um, and the rich history that's there. And so I really love taking time to sort of understand how we're all just one piece of the Acadiana puzzle and how we all fit together. Right. So um, as I understand it, Leadership Institute employs, what, two, 300 people for all the work that you do? Uh, no. It is, no? Is that not it true? Is me. I'm, the, I'm the one. What? These cards are just wrong. <laughs> that's crazy that you do all that stuff by yourself. I love a staff of that size, though. You know. <laughs> could you imagine what you could pull off? Yeah, that Holy would be amazing. Cow. So as you look at the transition that you've had to put the class through um, and the positive or negative responses to some of the changes you've had to make because of COVID, what changes do you think you'll keep? What things are you like, oh, and we may not have wanted it in the first place, but we're glad we have it now. So um, I had never been on a Zoom call before the month of March. Had never participated in one, much less led one. Um, And going through all of this, do I think that that what we're doing right now um, will stay in this space forever? No. But it's incredible to see the impact that um, virtual programming can have. Um, and almost makes you think, why had we never considered this sooner? Um, you know, the favorite thing that we've done so far, I think I came out of the gate a little bit hot in April and we did a happy hour every week. I thought that this was going to be, you know, five, six weeks um, at the most. And here we are on, on week 10. But we did these happy hours um, every Tuesday at four. 
And what I loved about it was that we had alumni from everywhere participating. And so yeah, you jumped in on one, mm-hmm. um, but we, we had alumni that had moved to Texas in the past year who had jumped on, um, three of which have all reached out to me since then to apply for the leadership program in their community. And so we were able to reconnect with them. Um, One afternoon, we had somebody from class 18 who lives in Alaska. So it was our happy hour. It was her lunch break. She jumped into the happy hour. And so, you know, someone who hasn't lived in our community in a decade was able to hop into a happy hour and, and hang out. People who had moved to Texas in the past year, who I can only imagine, you know, missing being in the in the community, were able to hop in and reconnect with friends. And so um, it's really making me rethink how is it that we engage our network? Because I think at the end of the day, what's most valuable about what LIA is doing is that network and the relationships we can build and connect people to each other. And so if virtual programming allows us to do that, there's absolutely a place to keep this um, in our programming. And then the other piece would be curating the content. I think that we have a real opportunity to start thinking um, about our organization um, as sort of, um, you know, a learning management system for the community. And how is it that we curate that content and make sure that people can stay connected to it? And Leadership Lafayette might not always be available to some people. They might not be able to commit to a year or commit to paying the tuition. And so what can we do for a much um, lower threshold and create content for the community. I love that. Um, Jessica and Vanessa have both chimed in, um, alleging that class 33 is the best, uh, but that is only because they were not in class 22. 22. Uh, well, Jessica was in 32. Oh, so oh Je- you're right. Sorry. Actually, 32 and 33. And Simone, yeah. You have two staff members. That were I in, do. And 32. Well, and Simone has a job here because of her participation in class 32. That's one of my favorite stories. Yeah. Mine too. Mine too. Um, and now Brandon has jumped in that he loves the way you've kept the class together through COVID. Best virtual class ever is 33. And that's the one he's in right now. Yeah, they've been a, um, they've been a great class. I think that I'll probably always remember 33 as a, as a special <laughs> place in my heart. This has right. been quite a bonding experience. Right. I did Leadership Louisiana in 2009. And so we spent a lot of time talking about the Katrina class. Uh, Mm -hmm. because that class of Leadership Louisiana really had a remarkable, negative, positive experience, much like the COVID class is going to have, because you're going through this time together, and it makes it really challenging. Uh, So Jessica asks, in your time as executive director, what are some of the most inspiring stories you've witnessed through leadership participants? God, that's my favorite part of the job. Um, So another leadership classmate of uh, 29 is Briley Cruz who just opened Handy Stop downtown. Um, And fun fact, our class was at JSP for our downtown day when um, uh, what is Sugar Wolf and Hub City Cycles now was put up for sale. And um, a handful of us, you know, were eating food at JSP talking about what would it be like if we all pulled in money together and bought it and turned that into downtown's first grocery store. So this was back in, in early 2016. Um, uh, shortly after going through the program together, we became neighbors and friends. And so it has been incredible to watch this, you know, small idea that came up in our leadership class turn into a grocery store on Jefferson Street. That opened Um, this week. That opened this week in the middle of a pandemic, you know. Right. Um, That story has just been um, an incredible sort of watching that that grow. Um, I get to see a lot of really awesome life changes. Um, you know, like Simone joining your team, um, Jessica welcoming a baby into her family. 
Um, we have um, one or two, I think one year we had three babies born in the leadership class. You get to see a lot of family changes. Um, people uh, will reconnect with me who I've never met. So they've done the program, you know, somewhere in our 30 year history. And as soon as I tell them that this is my job, they'll tell me the life change that came after it. Um, people who went through, they were a CPA while in the program and realized that they wanted more creativity. So they left um, their firm and went created their own firm because they wanted to manage it differently. And there's been all these life changes. And I love connecting with people who are farther removed from the program to see the long-term impact that it's really had on them, that it's not just, you know, I think when you're in it, you're exciting and there's this, this um, rush for an entire year, but I think that you get very little impact the year you're going through it. I think it's the years that follow you, the connections that you build with your peers or when you meet graduates, um, that change the way that you look at the community. And I also think it gives you sort of this confidence and motivation to do the things that you might have always been thinking about but you just didn't know how to take that leap to make it happen. I mean, when else in your life do you spend a year with 30 other people who are invested in your growth, who are excited about the community? It's, it's um, I think, the most positivity that a lot of people get in such a concentrated time period. Well, and Stuart Bishop was in the class with me, and you talk about watching people go through some life changes. I don't know if this was maybe a seed in the back of his mind before, but I watched his wheels turn on Baton Rouge Day, and then all of a sudden, a couple of years later, he's running for office. We got to work on his campaign, and now, you know, he's been a state rep for, I don't know, a decade. Talk about a powerhouse class. Man. Oh, our class was awesome. Yeah. No, our class was awesome. And and I think you're speaking to all of the things that make every class so awesome. It's the relationships and the connections. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, people find love, people find new careers, uh, people make babies. It, it really is, you know, a, an impressive array of human emotions and opportunities all rolled up into one year experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty powerful. Um, running for office, uh, you know, one year... Uh, a couple of years ago, we started doing um, sort of your plan of action in the last day. So what is it that you're going to do differently and how is it that we can support you, but also hold you accountable? We really want you to do the things. And um, one year, my favorite part of that day was two different um, uh, class members stood up and had very different um, declarations, but both equally important. And so one decided that she was going to run for office. Um, and she did. And she said she had never thought about it until going through the class, but realized that her perspective as a teacher and a mother mattered. Um, another member of that class said that she was going to raise her kids differently to be more civically minded and to bring them to school board meetings and city council meetings and make sure that they understood all that she learned as an adult, as a kid. And I think that, that we all come to this program in different walks of life and we're going to take different takeaways. But both of those declarations are just as important that how we raise our kids to be civic leaders, how we set ourselves to be civic leaders. It's wherever your goal is going to be. Um, we, we need you to go and do that so that we can make this community the best it can be. Oh, I agree completely. I often hear about lack of access. You know, people get frustrated because they don't know where to go. They don't know where to turn. They don't know who can help them. And I think there's this belief that everybody else is a part of a secret club that gives them the back door and the handshake. This is the secret club, but it's not a secret. <laughs> and it's not that exclusive. Um, and a lot of companies will pay your whole tuition or a part of it for you to go. And now all of a sudden you're in the cool kid club and you get to know the people that you can pick up the phone and call to get things done. Uh, Johnny Blanchard was talking on Wednesday about um, 
energy needing to restore the power after Katrina. But he had made a connection in a class and was able to call somebody to energy and get the power turned back on, not just for um, Rock and Bowl, but for all of Mid-City, New Orleans, months ahead of other neighborhoods, months ahead. So classes, you know, I, I, I jokingly say all the time, but it's not really a joke. When a sports person goes pro, they don't stop practicing. They continue to hone their craft. They sometimes work out even more once they've gone pro in their respective sport. So when people graduate from college and get a professional job, they think they're done learning. And I'm like, no, the learning is just beginning. Now's the time to learn more. And to me, Leadership Lafayette and those kinds of programs, Leadership Louisiana, uh, Goldman Sachs, 10,000 Small Business, are the opportunities to continue to expand that learning environment. Right. At any point in your career. And that, um, you know, we hear all kinds of things whenever we open up recruitment. Someone says they're too young to go through the program. Someone says they're too old. Their profession is not what we're looking for. Um, and all of that is false. Um, you know, we have people who fresh out of college, they're just sort of getting into their career. Um, and that's the time where it makes sense for them. We have people who are entering retirement and that's the time that it makes sense for them. I think that wherever you are in, in your career, that if that's your year, you know, that's your year. And especially because there's so much peer learning that happens and understanding, um, you know, someone who, who tried to make a change 30 years ago in the community going through the program now and someone who's only 30 years old, being able to sort of spend that year with each other is invaluable. You know, there's some programs across the country that, that segment their programs for young professionals and more tenured professionals. And I love that from the beginning, that's not how Leadership Lafayette was formed because I really think you need cross-generational learning, that we really need to spend time understanding people of, of, of every background. And you know, for us, diversity and inclusion um, is really important. And I think that sometimes when we talk about that, people forget um, diversity of age and that, that really making sure that everyone has a seat at the table so that we can spend time understanding why someone has the belief that they do. It's really the only way we'll ever break down um, a lot of the generational barriers that I think we we unnecessarily put up. Right. Callie Lavulette comments and says, the Leadership Lafayette program definitely provided me with the confidence to move forward in an attempt to fulfill a community need. Thank you, Ashley and LIA. Thank you, Callie. I, I look at all that Lafayette has to offer, and I feel like people still don't know. They don't know about the 705. They don't know about Leadership Lafayette. And so I don't even know if it's it's having some sort of a central website, if it's, you know, a sign on Johnson Street. I don't know what it is, but I do feel like we have to do more as alumnus of the program to tell everyone else, hey, this was a good thing for me. You need to come to here. Mm -hmm. And I think part of it is um, LIA continuing to turn outward. You know, when I first started the job, I went on a listening tour um, and met with as many people in the community as I could, people who had been through the program and stayed involved, people who had been and never re-engaged after, and some people who, who had either never heard of the program or made a decision not to go through. Um, and I think that there has been some times in the history where people were turned off because they felt like you have to know someone to know someone to get in. And really the best way to overcome that is by building relationships and, and pulling people in from, from every angle. It's lifting up when we have classroom teachers that go through the program, like Sarah Roy, who's a graduate, and Brandy Clay, who's in the program this year, and saying that absolutely we want classroom teachers in the program. Um, our principals, when Allison Alcubi was uh, in Lafayette, the principal of Lafayette Middle, she went through the program. Um, this year we have Dr. Rachel Brown, the principal of um, Lafayette High. And it, it's lifting up those people who we don't 
typically think of going through the program and saying, no, this program is 100% for you. Every industry, every background, no matter what it is that you're doing, um, you live in this community, you pay taxes in this community, um, you should be able to access this information um, and leave your influence on this community. Right. And I think that, you know, exactly what you're talking about is it helps people figure out not just who they are, but who they can be for the community, what they can give and what they can get. It goes both ways. Absolutely. And and I think that, you know, here every year people will go through um, and about the midway point, uh, they're a bit frustrated because they understand so many different things. It's sort of like drinking from the fire hose. It opens your 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 eyes to so many different things. Uh, it can sort of get overwhelming. How am I going to leave an impact on every piece? And the reality is you won't. And, and we don't want you to. We want you to find, we want you to understand um, how all the pieces fit together so that you you can be more effective in the place that you do want to leave an impact. If that is K-12 education, you have to understand property tax collection and how you interplay with LCG, how to lobby at a state level. Um, what is our art and culture community look like? You need to understand all those things to influence K-12 education. But you've got to find your niche and what it is that you value and how can you be the best leader in that space, how they all they all fit together. And what we hope we can do is maybe open your eyes to some things you never heard of. Um, it might turn you on to something new, but it might just give you the confidence, um, like Callie said, to go into the space that you already were kind of passionate about and really leave your mark in there. Um, I think that we give you a really broad perspective of the community so that you can determine where you need to go really deep to leave an impact. Right. Absolutely. So leadership Lafayette is really the deep year long program where you're immersed and you're learning stuff every month and you're meeting people. Talk to us about intro to Lafayette. Yeah. So intro is a pretty cool program that I actually, um, before I did leadership Lafayette, before I had this job, I was a speaker at, I didn't really know what it was. And so it's interesting how things come full circle. Um, so it's our two day, um, civic orientation to the community. And so um, there's really a lot of people who come through that program, newcomers, boomerangers, people who left and came back, um, trailing spouses. So maybe their spouse uh, got a job in Lafayette or Acadiana and they they followed behind. People who have built their whole career here but had their head down, hyper-focused on their career. Um, so if you think about all the topics we talk about in Leadership Lafayette for a year, um, each of those topics get about 45 minutes to an hour in Intro Lafayette. So it's very fast-paced, high-energy um, it's much smaller. We cap that program at 15. Um, we think that the best um, part of that program is how intimate the cohort is. Um, and, you know, for 36 people for Leadership Lafayette, you have a year to meet them. When you only have two days, we make it, we make it a little bit smaller. Um, it's also becoming a feeder for our leadership program. People want to see what it is that we're about and see if our programming is, is a really good fit before they move into that program. Um, it's, uh, what we typically do and I say typically, because, you know, who knows what's going to happen sort of now that we're in this place of physical distancing, uh, day one is a tour. Um, and so we go to different parts of Lafayette. And so we start with a, um, a very brief high level history presentation, load everyone up on a bus, um, and bring them to some of those sites. Um, we, right before lunch, always go to, um, Monkus Park, um, EB and her team are gracious hosts. Um, we go into her boardroom and you can see all of the, the park from their window, which is a gorgeous view. Um, I love three times a year that I get to see an update. Um, people love that piece for intro because for a lot of them, they had never heard of the park before. And so that's their sort of entry point. 
we do lunch um, at Vermillionville and we overlook the river and we learn a little bit about our culture. Um, we do a tour of UL's athletic facilities, um, which are gorgeous. So um, impressive. They're, just, they're impressive. Um, so we, we sort of go all around the community, really wanting to get people excited about the community that they live in. And my favorite feedback I've ever gotten from that program is lifelong residents will go through just intro and are blown away learning new things. Um, Betsy Richard went through our um, program. I see Lacey commented. Lacey went through intro and our Leadership Lafayette program. So people who've always been in our community go through intro and learn something new. It's just a testament to what they're going to get if they decide to make the year-long commitment. Right. I, I love that. And I haven't had the opportunity to do it yet. But even somebody who grew up here should do it because there's so many things you can learn that you never knew about Lafayette and about the region. And we put you in some, front of some of the same people that we would for our um, our leadership Lafayette class. And so one of my favorite stories to tell, um, I started my job right as Joel Robito was beginning his role um, as mayor president. And so uh, I, um, he's not a graduate of Leadership Lafayette, but could not have been more supportive of the program. So we held intro Lafayette three times a year, and he spoke three times a year, all four years. Um, and every time he would come in and speak, he would have the class circle up. And so they, they truly had, you know, a roundtable discussion with him, which was just incredible to be able to have that type of, um, you know, intimate conversation. Justin has spoken you know, to a lot of our intro Lafayette's explaining uh, what it is that, that they're doing in the school board. So it really gives you such a personal connection with the speakers that for a lot of people, they jump into action immediately after going through intro Lafayette. And I love that. Um, quick shout out to Craig Spadoni, the Bead King, who's watching. Uh, Rick Watkins, great podcast. Thanks, Rick. Uh, Will Teal, class 33. And um, Lacey Maynard just typed a really nice message. I want to make sure you saw. Ashley's leadership through these past few months has been nothing short of incredible. I'm lucky enough to serve on the board of LIA and have seen the enormous effort she has put in to keep programming relevant and meaningful. I've been able to follow her lead in another in other organizations and utilize her creativity and willingness to try new things and mimic some of the things she's produced to help create and maintain value for those organizations as well. Thank you, Lacey. That's beautiful. And it obviously, is. you know, we're talking about the impact the program has, but Leadership Lafayette and Intro Lafayette have these impacts because of the work you and your staff of 300 are doing. And so, you know, that's a lot y'all are getting accomplished for such a small team. Yeah. Well, and you know, while I might not have a huge paid staff, I could not ask for better volunteers and a board of directors. Um, my, you know, Lacey, as you mentioned, is a board member and they have really had my back. I mean, anytime that I said I was going to try something new and crazy, they said, go out um, and try it. <laughs> My board chair this year um, is Charles Fenstermaker, and I could not have asked for a better leader who I truly feel like has had my back every turn of the way. That's sort of whatever um, we want to try. Let's go and try it, you know. Right. No, I, and I love that. Uh, Vanessa did love uh, loved the intro class as well. Uh, Terry Dugas says, I'm so thankful to Ashley for her support and leadership during this time. I love my class 33. Simone Ancelet, 32 in the house. <laughs> and Cynthia Sabadoni is now watching since Craig told her to. Um, and so she's thankful. And Jill Cormier-Mo says, Ashley is amazing. So as you look at the pandemic pivots that other businesses have made and organizations have made in the community, are there any that you've thought, oh, I like what they did there. That was smart. Um, who's caught your eye and you thought they really did it the right way? Yeah. So I do have to give a shout out to, um, I'll start sort of, you know, national and then sure. come back to local, but Leadership Rhode Island, um, they do have a large staff and they have like 10 people on their team. And so they came out of the gate 
much earlier, really leading the way, showing how leadership programs could pivot. Um, and it was really inspiring to sort of watch them. And it, it reminded me how important our programs are and that now is not the time to pull back or let up. Now is the time to go full blast in programming because we need good leadership. If our communities um, expect to ever get on a path to recovery, we really need strong local leadership. Um, so grateful that sort of they started that standard that we were able to follow. Um, locally, I was actually texting him yesterday, um, Brandon Jornet, um, you probably all know him as DJ Digital. Um, I just think that the way that he has really grown his brand and his reach has been amazing. And I think that if, if nothing else, that businesses, personal brands, nonprofits um, can take um, you know that lead and run with it, that now is the time to really say, who we are and who we aren't, what we're willing to do. I think it's a time to get back to basics and think about why do we exist in in the first place? You know, what is it that that we're committing to do? Um, and we actually got earlier this week, Brooke and I ordered t-shirts from him and just the whole way he's handling that process, following it on social media. We got a t-shirt with stickers, with a handwritten note and his, his logo was all over it. Um, I mean, just an incredible sort of um, commitment to a personal brand and then you think about what he's doing virtually for free several times a week. I can't even imagine how many people that he's reaching, not just local, but but everywhere. And I think that it shows we can all do that same type of thing. And that if you figure out the right way to invest your energy, now is a really good time to serve instead of sell and to sort of grow that reach. But it's going to pay off tenfold. You know, sort of the, the people that you're getting your brand in front of right now, they're going to remember how you made them feel. They're going to remember that you were there for them. I mean, what you and Michael are doing with this, you know, it's worth the energy that you put into this type of programming because people are going to remember that you were there for them. You were playing on their screen in their homes. And so when things start to recover, and I don't think we'll ever get back to what things were before, but sort of in this new normal, people are going to remember who they were listening to and who was there for them and what brands that they were seeing. Right. No, and you make the point about Brandon. He's definitely one of my favorite stories. And he was one of our earlier interviews. I think his number maybe five or six. It, it is amazing to me to see somebody who's been doing it in front of thousands of people in clubs now do it from his house for even more tens of thousands of people. And so I thought, well, how's he going to do that? And then I've watched him and I think, what an amazing pivot. I mean, and people are still tipping him to play songs. So he's found a way to make it profitable, but that wasn't his intent. His intent was to still hone his craft and do his work. And it's his mission. You know, he's called and uh, I just love it. Well, and I think that when you get um, really focused on your mission and why you're doing what you're doing, good things are going to follow. And so we took, um, you know, that same idea when we did our happy hours, um, they were all free. And so we put at the bottom, you know, we are a nonprofit. If, if you feel like making a contribution, you can. And I was surprised when I ran my April financials that we were still receiving individual donations. And, and not only were people renewing their membership, but we had new members come on board and, and we never made a hard ask. And so right. that's just showing that if you deliver value time and time again, people can associate your product, whatever it is, a private business, a nonprofit with value, they're going to want to put their money behind it, even if they're financially strained. 
Right. Well, and that's what building a brand is all about. It's about mm-hmm. knowing who you are and then find a way to connect with the people who should be connected with you. Um, and I think it doesn't have to be about a hard ask. You're right. It's about serving before selling. And um, I love that. Uh, will Teal says developing leaders now will dictate what Lafayette will look like in the near future. Uh, truer words have never been spoken. Yeah, I completely, uh, completely agree with him. And, you know, you look at a lot of the leaders that we have now who've gone through our programs, Leadership Lafayette intro, they're building relationships with each other. And those relationships, I think, dictate how we lead, understanding the perspective of other people, how the decisions that we make are going to impact someone else. And, and we might not have the same personal priorities, but if we build a relationship across barriers, across the aisle, we can understand um, what it is that other people prioritize and how that makes the um, helps us make the decisions we make as leaders. Yeah. I wish there was a way, uh, you know, when people have some sort of a, a violation and they go to Facebook jail, um, I wish there was a way to make anybody um, who is a keyboard killer and has to go to Facebook jail, that their way for them to bond out was to go to leadership class. There you go. Because you stop complaining about a lot of things once you start to understand how and why they work that way. Well, and also once you understand that it was a human being on the other side of that decision, I think that um, unfortunately, a lot of what's happening nationally has trickled down to our local decision making and that we um, I think we dehumanize people in other groups. And it's easy to say that this group or this cluster made this decision and we forget that people made that decision. And so what's really great about our program is that we put, um, and I'm sorry that it took you three times to get into the program, but I'm grateful that you shared that with people because it is the reality that that we spend a lot of energy into um, curating the cohort to make sure that as many possible perspectives um, that we can capture in a year are captured. Because when you spend that year understanding people from different backgrounds and why they make the decisions that they do and, and why they prioritize something differently than you do. It makes it a lot easier to sit in an uncomfortable conversation with them. You sort of now have a face and a story behind this perspective. And it's not saying that you need to change your perspective. I don't, I don't want you to change your convictions. You know, that's not my goal when you come mm-hmm. to the program. But it's just to understand why someone else would have different convictions and that you can still coexist and that you might disagree on A, but you're both very, very passionate about B and you can team up together to make difference in that space. Absolutely. Um, And look, I'm fine with having to apply for things over and over again. I want you to have a selective process because if everybody in the group was in marketing, how boring would that be? And so to make sure it's a well-rounded, diverse uh, group that allows you to get the full experience because you get to meet people you wouldn't normally interact with on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, I said at the time when I was finally admitted that it must be very exclusive for me to have worked so hard to get into it. Uh, but the observation I had was it's almost like people who grow up in Lafayette, right? So they're born and raised in Lafayette. They go to school here. So it's sort of the sense that they know everybody. This is a chance for people who don't actually know everybody to get to know everybody. And so you want to be in that just right group and that just right mix. So I know the amount of work y'all go through to really curate it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's worth it. Um, Jill Mo says, LIA's vision is greatly needed at this time of collaborating creatively, um, our, creating our future. Vision, a local and regional community in which solutions to challenges are created through respectful public discourse, diversity, inclusivity, and strong leadership. Well, that sums up leadership to me completely. I mean, that's the program right there. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's, you know, we spent about 18 months settling on that vision, you know, really what it is that we wanted our community to look like in what spaces that we could influence, because, you know, you and I could probably talk for hours on what our dream Lafayette and Acadiana would be, but what can LIA really influence? Um, and, and part of it is bringing together a group of people that otherwise would not spend a year together so they can challenge their, you know, their, their personal ideology about how our community should function, understand that we have a lot of competing priorities and how is it that we still work through that? I don't think that at any point will make the work any easier. I think that if you are passionate about um, your community, your work will always be hard, but uh, it's a determining sort of what hard work do you want to do? You know, right. what work do you want to invest in? What's your vision for where the leadership program goes? Yeah, that's um, a question we've been talking about a lot. Um, so it's interesting, uh, our board meeting in March um, that we had right before we knew what was coming, we actually talked about what would it look like to hire a second full-time staff member. And we poured through financial statements to make sure we had enough of a cash reserve to make that decision. And we were preparing job descriptions to do it. And then wham, we got, um, we got hit with this. And so we've really been sort of reevaluating what that looks like. And uh, I think the sort of hidden blessing in this is to really get down to focusing on our mission. You know, Leadership Lafayette is just a program that we deliver to get to that vision of, of our community. It's a tool. That's all that it is. Um, and so when you strip away um, in-person gathering and you strip away programming, we are still charged with convening, um, building and activating leaders for this community. And, and that needs to happen no matter what type of gathering can or can't happen. Um, and our vision for our, my vision for LIA is that we're able to do that um, no matter what state our community is in. I think that virtual programming has made me think a lot more about access and how can we make some of our programming more accessible um, um, not in, in place of, of Leadership Lafayette, but in addition to that program. What can we do for people who have um, a one-hour lunch break a month and that's all that they can commit? How can I engage that person? Um, how is it that I can be a matchmaker for the community? Um, I really do think I sit in this, this um, you know, place of privilege where I'm able to meet these amazing people every year and how is it that I connect them to each other? And that has actually happened more in the past eight weeks than it's ever happened. Right. Um, we've hosted our conversations with leaders, with Jill and Phyllis from Accelerant. We've hosted an Acadiana onboard programming with United Way. And after every single one of those programs, I've gotten an email and said, you put me in a breakout room with X. Can you please get me their contact information? They're exactly who I'm looking for. And so if that has ramped up now that we're doing virtual programming, it shows that there was a hole that we never knew in how we were offering programming um, in LIA. And so I think in the future, we really operationalize how is it that we um, match people up to the resources they need, if it's personal, if it's professional, whatever it is they need to get from each other, that there's a way that we can be sort of um, that central repository, connecting those those people with each other so we can really um, recreate the community uh, into the place that we want it to be. I, I love that. Having gone through the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program this year, I would tell you um, in observing how they pivoted and transitioned with the national force that they are and watching how Leadership Lafayette had to pivot and transition, y'all did as good a job or better. 
And so really, you should be proud. And they have a national program already. So they already do a virtual class for people who don't live in a market um, that are within three hours. And so I was able to go to New Orleans for mine. Um, I am going to right now put you on the spot, though, on the air live um, because I want a graduate program. A graduate program. Yes, for leadership grads. Um, so bring back the last 33 years and let us go again. Not the same programming, but give us something new and mix and match the cohorts so we get to meet people who are in different classes. Yeah, I think that um, that is absolutely a next step for us to consider intentional mixing. Yes. You know, and that, um, so you'll love to hear, I uh, gave Leadership Rhode Island a shout out. They're creating the first ever national alumni network. Yes. Yes. So they are creating the first ever national alumni network and they've done a few pilot um, sessions. And what they're doing is they're asking you what industry you're in. And so let's say, you know, you, Jackie, you hop on the call when they do their Zoom breakout, you're going to be in the room with other people who have marketing communications and branding agencies to understand how they're pivoting. And so um, I'm really watching that and figuring out how to um, do that now. And so what I'm on the search for, and if anyone has recommendations, um, software that allows us to um, empower alumni to meet with each other. So nice. software that will allow you, um, graduate of class 22, business owner, um, someone who is running for office, you know, all these different groups that sort of you could be in, you can log in and you can find all the other alumni right. who are in those same affinity groups. And so we're actually on the hunt right now for a software that would let us do that so that you can make your own connections. You know, if we have built this, this, this thread of, you know, over 1500 people who've been through one of our types of programs, how is it that we can engage you in other ways that you're alike with people? When we're done, I'll show you the 10 KSB app that Goldman Sachs created. I think it's kind of sort of what you're thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. Because we, you know, we have enough graduates that something like that is of value and they're not all here. Right. And so that means we need a virtual way to keep them connected because, you know, I'll pick on, um, I'm really good friends with Brittany and Jeremy Broussard, both graduates of our program. Um, they're living in the Dallas area right now. They still are totally invested in the Lafayette community. Right. And so how is it that I can engage them um, continuously in, in our programming and, and it's leveraging technology? Right. Right. No, that makes sense. Um, just circling back, because I'm thinking about all the alums that have come through and the ones that have moved away, uh, without naming names, are there any super scandalous stories that you can think of through the years? Again, protect the identity of the guilty, but you give me one, one little juicy something. I can't think of anything. Oh, I mean, I can think of, of um, you said matchmaking. You know, I do know stories of people who went through the, the program and then eventually ended up together, which I think is just the, the coolest story ever. Right. But I mean, I'm, I can't think of anything I guess, All right. scandalous that has ever happened. I know I, um, I have really good relationships with my peers across the country and they've you know, had some pretty scandalous things happen in, in programs. And I'm literally knocking on wood right now that like we've been pretty... <laughs> I think they're even pretty lucky in that nothing crazy has ever happened like that. <laughs> right. But I mean, it would be very Lafayette, though, to have oh, something there, like I mean, that there, happen. There probably has. You know, I've only, I've only been in this job for four years. So right. there were 30 years before me that there could be lots of untold stories. Oh, we may need to see the alumni network could come in handy if we could track that down. You know, it could be a Slack channel of all the scandalous mm -hmm. leadership stories. There oh, you go. Awesome. Um, Jill Mo says that she's looking for platforms that allow for virtual facilitation and whiteboarding. If anyone has suggestions, she'd love to hear what's worked for you because y'all know Accelerant likes to write on flip charts. Jill, I just learned of Jamboard through Google, which is, which is pretty 
Um, yeah, it's um, you don't need um, any um, physical items. You can use it straight through your system, but they also create an actual whiteboard that you can use and write on that goes through it. So it's a pretty awesome one. There you go. Um, we use Vonage for our phone system and they've got a whiteboarding tool as a feature of the phone system, because if you jump on the Microsoft Teams slash Amazon um, component that kind of works like Zoom, mm -hmm. you can whiteboard on there. And it's pretty impressive. I really love testing out a lot of new technology and seeing what it is that 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 we can use and what makes sense for us. Right. Right. So what advice would you give to the younger you? <laughs> What advice would I give to the younger me? I think if I could probably go back, I would tell myself to find my own voice sooner, you know, mm -hmm. like, like find who it is that I was. I think I spent a lot of years um, trying to be or project an image that I wasn't. And actually, I don't know if I've ever shared this with you. Mm. I heard you speak for the first time, either a senior in college or right after I graduated and, and started working. And you had done a presentation sort of on your on personal branding. And it was a lot of it. It was about social media. It was about um, cleaning up your social media. <laughs> I deleted my Facebook page right after that. Um, Probably was. <laughs> it was. I, that did not need to follow me. Um, but part of what, what you talked about was, was authenticity. And so one of the things that I've always admired about you, um, and if for those of you who don't know this, Jackie was actually my 705 mentor a couple of years back, is that always showing up as your 100% authentic self. And it's taken me a much longer time, I think, to sort of settle um, into that and sort of giving my permission to just be who I am unapologetically. You know, this is this is who Ashley is and just embrace it. I am all about that as the t-shirt and jeans continue to live on to this day. Um, but now that I know this, thank you. And I will make sure to tell people that I get like one and a half percent credit for all of your success. So that's awesome. <laughs> I'm there taking you it. <laughs> what advice would you give to this year's graduates, especially this year? This year. So I have a sister. Um, she's going to be so embarrassed. Emily Mudd, who's graduating from Abbeville High tonight. Congratulations. Um, yeah, yeah. So she is graduating. They, um, they are super innovative. They're doing a field graduation. Genius. Like a lot of the churches do mm -hmm. where they paint it on the field. So I'm super thrilled to go to that. Um, I think that, that my advice um, to them will be, you know, you are getting to experience this hardship. This won't be the hardest thing that you go through um, in life and learn how to roll with the, the punches. Um, I have learned that the happiest I've ever been is when I've let go of expectations. That doesn't mean that you let go of the hard work. That doesn't mean that like, you let go of the, the effort that you put into something. But when you can separate yourself from your expectations for the outcome, you end up much happier. I think of the, the biggest failures or disappointments that I've ever had weren't really failures or disappointments. It's just that it didn't match the expectations that I set. And so when you temper your, ex your, your expectations and you just um, shift them a bit, I think that you find life a lot more fulfilling. I love that. That is beautiful. Um, and I think that, you know, that ties in nicely with what Krista Bio said uh, on hers. She talked about suffering and that suffering is an opportunity to grow. Suffering cars out of space for the new to come in. I think that that's a very aligned principle. Um, it, Bernard Dumont just said adversity is a great teacher. And I, it's so true. And it's um, it's a hard thing to remember when you're in it, though. It is. And, you know, it's, it's easy to sort of like look backwards retroactively and tell a story. Um, you know, it's easy for me to say that the adversity that I've gone through in life has sort of landed me where I am. And the truth is for everyone, it is, you know, that, that sort of you, you had to go through whatever it is you went through to end up where you are today. But 
you take a little bit of time to reframe it, um, it's really interesting to see how you can get through some of your hardest moments. Absolutely. Do you collect anything? Um, yes. So Brooke probably hates how much I collect books. Um, I am a huge reader and the problem is that sometimes I read a lot at once. And so I'll have books on the coffee table, books on my desk, books on my nightstand, um, and then a bookshelf full of them. I um, started reading Marie Kondo's um, book until I got to the section on getting rid of your books. And I was like, can't do this. No, nope. can't. They're everywhere. And, you know, I guess they bring me joy. So right. I um, I have books everywhere. <laughs> Brooke just said books everywhere. <laughs> Y'all said it at the same time and she wrote it. Well, at least I know she's watching. I definitely get something that I got from um, my dad. Whenever they built their house, there was supposed to be a room. I don't know what his intention was. And now it's just a book room. And there's books falling off everywhere. And there's no way he even knows what all those books are. Right. But there's books everywhere, you know? Right. I um I forced my kids to join a book club this summer, which they're super excited about. And uh, it's all professional and personal development books, though. Because I've raised readers, which I'm very proud of. It's one of my best accomplishments. But they like to read the same kind of stuff I like to read. It's beach read. It's fun stuff. It's Harry Potter. It's entertaining and enjoyable. I'm like, okay, but now we're getting to a place where y'all need to start developing. And so I laid out all of the professional development books that I have. It covered our dining table with the leaves and um, took a picture, then laid out another set, took a picture, and said, okay, pick the ones, and I will pay you. I just need you to read these books. And so we are now doing that because I want them to get into the habit of reading those kinds of things. So um, what's funny is that a lot of people will come to me for book recommendations about, you know, professional development type books. And while I do read them, I'm a junkie for fiction. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of what, especially now that sort of I've been working from home, it's been a ton of fiction that just sort of is. Um, and for as far as I can remember, even when I was a kid, like that is my perfect escape. I'll choose a fiction book over any other sort of of, um, you know, escape. Right. No, me too. Me too. As a matter of fact, I had two kids who at one point or another got um, detentions for reading in class. Like they'd have books under their desks. And I was like, oh, guilty. Okay. Yeah. So I was a kid in middle school. I never went out for recess. I um, were, was always friends with the librarian. She knew <laughs> that I was coming. She always had recommendations for me in high school. Our librarian had the... Um, books that she kept on her shelf that she didn't put out because she had to trust the kids to read them. Right. And I always knew that I just went to her and I was getting my next, my next library book. I had no idea you were that cool. Like oh, to me, yeah. that's the coolest kid possible. I am. Um, you have to hook up with the librarian, the, Ashley. Even now, whenever they announced that they were reopening the library, I was like, oh, my book's on hold. I can go pick them up. I'm a huge library nerd. <laughs> that's awesome. We need an LIA book group. Yes. Yes. Right. I mean, that sign me up. Be, that'll be a part of our virtual network. You can yes. sign up, check in for what type of topic you want to talk about. Yes, I love that. Okay, we're down to our final two cards, um, which means it's the lightning round. I promise you know all the answers to these questions. You ready? Okay. Favorite place on earth? Favorite place on earth? Ooh, Clark Creek. Okay. Movie you can't turn off? Movie I can't turn off. Ooh, I don't know. I'm not a huge... Movie person, movie, okay. I can't turn off. Oh my God, Burke's gonna be so embarrassed I'm saying this, but we watched the Kimmy Schmidt movie the other night on Netflix, <laughs> is to choose your own destiny. And I kept going back to select a new ending 
over and over. And I probably spent two and a half hours <laughs> watching this movie. And it is like a very specific type of humor. I'm probably embarrassing myself to so many people right now. No. But I just kept going Authentic. back and picking a different ending. I love um, that. It's such a stupid movie. Oh, and then the other one that actually I probably have watched three times. We went on the anniversary trip and ended up watching Between Two Ferns as a movie. <laughs> it is hilarious. It is. If you not watched it yet and you need a quarantine movie to laugh at between two friends that is a good one tv show to binge tv show to binge i think that i'm on my third cycle of new girl okay well that's fair enough that makes sense um now this is going to be like asking you to pick amongst kids but favorite book oh my favorite yeah, I know. Book. sorry Wow. That's, that's a hard one. So I think my probably favorite fiction book would be A Great and Terrible Beauty. I think I read it when I was probably a freshman um, in high school, and I've read it several times since then. Um, it's about a teenager who discovers um, that not only was her mom a witch, but that she is too. And oh. she really struggles with accepting that side of um, her life. And I think it's just a metaphor for, you know, accepting right. I all love of that. who you are. Okay. I'm going to put that on my list. Uh, favorite podcast Oh, favorite podcast. Um, favorite podcast. I don't know. I think that I have been listening to um, the one on NPR about um, different mental types. And I can't think of what it is right now. Oh, that's right. I'm going to look it up, though, because that sounds good. That's like what I'd like. Um, Radical Candor is a really good one. I wasn't able to make it through the book, but the podcast is great. And I learned a lot about how I struggle with Radical Candor. That's, mm -hmm. It's a weakness of mine. Right. No, it's a good one. It is a very good one. As a matter of fact, we have an office book group and our next one's Atomic Habits. But the one after that is going to be Radical Candor. Yeah, yeah the, for sure. The podcast is awesome. What song do you sing at karaoke? <laughs> um... We did this for the opening for the leadership retreat this year. Um, the Smash Mouth song, and now the name's escaping me because I'm put on the, the spot. I can hear Brooke in the other room laughing. All Star? Are we talking about All, All Star, Star from Shrek? Okay, so um, I remember telling Blake Lanio that that was one of my favorite songs. And he's like, I've never judged you more. Mm -hmm. Favorite song, My I'm really close with um, my, I have a lot of siblings, eight to be exact, but um my brother Austin and my sister Abby, we have a really weird sense of humor and our favorite movie is Shrek. Of and course. like that we have belted out that song. I know every word to it. It is my favorite song to sing. It'll put me in a good mood every single time. That is awesome. Last but not least, favorite way to treat yourself. Ooh. So you will appreciate this. Um, I love going out to eat. And I think that every time I've ever been a tsunami, I've probably seen you there. So I was getting really stir crazy. And one night we um, got all dressed up, ordered tsunami to go set up the table like you would in the restaurant. And it was just um, probably our best night in quarantine because I love going to eat out in a local restaurant. If you look at, um, we use YNAB to budget my highest category every single month is restaurants. And mm -hmm. I never feel guilty about spending their money and eating really good local food. I think right. that, that will always be um, my not so guilty, guilty pleasure. But it's an experience. And I think paying for an experience is a good thing because you get those memories. So that is awesome. Ashley, thank you. This has Thank been you. awesome. I, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope everybody listening, I pre appreciate all the comments and questions and feedback. That was awesome. Um, I hope that everyone has a Memorial Day weekend of remembrance and uh, positivity and gets through the next few days, weeks, months, however much longer together. And um, 
I look forward to seeing you all next week. We will have a short week, obviously, because of Memorial Day, so I'll announce the lineup then. Um, thank you all very much, and thank you to Michael for producing us and thank to Ashley for appearing with us. This is Razor Branding Podcast. Jackie Russo out. <laughs>